Hello, Texans. Welcome to the program as we are 48 hours away from kickoff when the New England Patriots entertain your Houston Texans Thursday night, 6 o'clock kick. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you with a fun one tonight. And we'll hear a little general reloaded. We'll hear from Denzel Perriman later on in the program and also former NBA player Houston Rocket Mo Taylor, who we caught up with at practice, and that was a fun conversation. Johnny, you're fired up. I'm fired up. Everybody's fired up. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I I just really wish and hope that we get some good weather so we can see, you know, both sides of the ball doing things that we know um, that can be done, honestly. And then hopefully that happens. But if not, you know, you still will get some things done. And you'll just have to do it in thunderstorm conditions. But, you know, maybe it moves up to Wednesday. Maybe it moves back to uh, to Friday and we can get this thing in. Um, but I'm just looking to see what this team looks like. I talked to Killian uh, Zierer today and he was interesting to talk to because he's a rookie Mm. and he's from Germany and so I asked him you know have you thought about what it's going to look like the first time or feel like the first time you go in and see your jersey up in the locker and he said you know I'll probably have the same feeling like when I was at Auburn it was kind of the same exact thing I walked in at Auburn I saw my jersey he's like whoa it's like this overwhelming feeling so uh, he was really interesting to talk to as a rookie getting ready for that first game all right, you and I, and by the way, does he have a German accent? I can't wait for this interview. No, he really, he didn't. I was, Darn it. I mean, not as strong. I'm sure he probably could, could break into it, but it wasn't as strong as uh, I expected. I thought it would be, you know, very, um, you know, strongly German, but it, mm-hmm. it definitely was not. Okay. Uh, that's not the headline of the show. The headline of the show might be, all right, what was practice like today? Because they had a real practice today. It was hot. They went full pads. They went at it. We weren't sure what to expect today. New head coach, new year, new everything. But he went full pads two days before game day, Johnny. Your thoughts on what you saw at the Houston Methodist Training Center today? I'm with you. I wrote about that on my Harris Hits, Mark. The fact that we were walking up, I said to you, what kind of practice do you think we're going to get? And I was like, I think we're getting a glorified walkthrough and kind of saving everything for Thursday night. I saw him come on pads. We actually said it during the show. I, I was saying something. I looked up and I was like, Mark, there are pads. I was a little surprised by that, but it's a good surprise. Cause I thought it was a pretty, it was a pretty fun practice. I mean, they got after it pretty good with the pads on. Um, and then I, you know, I mean, yeah, I love the situational stuff and they worked on what I call the 2022 TCU, which if you remember one of TCU's great wins last year, they played at Baylor and they didn't have a timeout left. So they were trying to get their kicker some space. So they ran the ball, didn't have a timeout. So the offense had to run off the field. They ran on the kicking team. Griffin Kell kicked a field goal as time expired, as the clock is running down. I mean, it's like stressful. I mean, you just, can they do it? And so the Texans did that twice at the end of today's practice. And uh, Jake Bates, who has joined the, uh, the specialist group, he knocked home both of them. He hit both of those field goals rushing out there doing the 2022 TCU. So, uh, it was really cool to see them execute that. But, but CJ threw it well today again. You know, his first throw was actually, it slipped out of his hand again. And behind Robert Woods, mm. I thought, oh, boy, here we go. We're going to have one of these days. Nope. He got right back on a horse, and he just started dealing. He had one throw of John Mechie on the far side. That was Ooh. just, what was that? I mean, that was just incredible, that throw. Yep. It was really nice to see him uh, deal like that, as you say. All right, tell me this. As a coach, as these onlookers are evaluating onlookers, the coaches, the football ops people, <laughs> as they're evaluating what they're seeing, 
Sometimes you'll have penetration into the offensive backfield. Jerry Hughes had some rushes today where it was whoop, and he went in on blocked ones where I thought, okay, that wasn't even the right tackle's fault. Hughes was on the left side of the defense and came in untouched. CJ's got to see that. That's a teaching moment for them, I would imagine, or maybe it is for Bobby Sloak. I don't know who's, quote, at fault there or who's accountable there and how they deal with it, but it's good to have those situations happen now so you can get ready for real game situations because Hughes came in, stopped, and CJ was able to throw the ball. And I'm wondering how many of those situations you see where guys might let up a little bit because they don't want to hit their teammates but they, they want to show, the defensive players want to show that they would have, could have, should have made a defensive play, and they were on their toes and making things happen. Yeah, I think from an offensive standpoint, especially something like that, that, that play in particular. Now, if a guy gets beat, he just gets beat. Right. I mean, it happens. Um, and then offensive line coach, Chris Strausser, Cole Popovich, and those guys, Manny Ramirez, they sit down and say, hey, you should have picked this up. This is what we should have done. What are our rules against this? We've seen this before. Um, and I think that's what this was. This was, okay, start with the quarterback. CJ, what'd you see? I saw this. This is the front they were in. Okay, offensive line. What were they in? And why did we not get that guy picked up? So I think it's a good, it's a great teaching moment. Um, and obviously, Jerry peeling off is the smart thing to do, um, which you should do. Um, but that's those are things that are teachable. You can go back to the film and teach, and you say, look, it's a good throw. Receiver, hey, good route, way to get open, excellent job. Offensive line, let's talk about why we why did we miss this? Who is this on? Who's making that who's making that line call? Did we not pick this up? Did the back go to the wrong side? So it's a good teaching moment. You know, hey, don't get your quarterback killed. But you know, the flip side of that is you hope that doesn't happen on Thursday night. And all of a sudden Josh Uche is coming off the edge and just hammers CJ or Davis or Case or whomever. Those are the things that you gotta be sound with. And we haven't seen that too too often but i do think you're going to see that this year a little bit with cj they're going to be some things that especially if juice is at center too they're going to see some things that they're not accustomed to and i think one of the things that you know we all talk about well the nfl it's so much more complicated the nfl's defenses really aren't any more complicated than the colleges are the colleges actually throw some pretty complicated things Mm. but what the nfl players do better i think than the college players a they disguise extremely well. They play hunches really, really well in the NFL. And so you sometimes can't get a beat or a read on what's going on. And secondly, the explosiveness and the speed is just that much higher. It's not that it's much that much more complicated, but it's just that the way players can disguise things defensively, they can make it tough. Now, Jerry wasn't disguising anything. He just didn't get picked up. So it's a teaching moment, um, but a good one at that for this offensive line that, you know, Titus banged up. Uh, some others have been banged up. Um, so it was. it's going to be a good teaching moment when they talked about it today in film. We're looking forward to seeing Stroud, no doubt. We've talked a lot about that. Looking forward to seeing Mills' improvement over last year. Looking forward to seeing that. But to see Case Keenum, perhaps, in the third, fourth quarter of a preseason game, what a treat for Houston fans this is. Now, Case might not look at it that way, but as I say that, I'm thinking, man, Case is probably looking forward to playing some football, right? Getting out there and slinging it. Because who knows what happens this season, and he wants to show, hey, I still belong. I still very much belong in this league and right here. And he was great on the midday show with Landry and Lopez. He was great when he visited with us in studio during minicamp. I cannot wait to see him and really everybody on Thursday night. There is a collective cheer from the city of Houston 
louder than anything else when Case Keenum throws the tank though. Mm. That is that is yep. I think s- certain Texans fans dreams when Case throws the tank and that happened uh at least one time uh on what's today is it Tuesday on Tuesday. I mean it was a really good throw tank man a nice sliding catch getting under it before it got to the sideline. I think Case it's interesting seeing Case at this point in his career versus where, you know, where he was back in 2013, 2014. You know, being in the building with him in 2014, you know, there still was this, you know, pressure-packed feeling that he had about playing a position, and, and so rightfully so. But he's been through it. You know, he yep. started in Minnesota. He started in Denver. He started in Washington. You know, he had that night with Cleveland in 2021 when Baker was out and all the running backs were dead, and he and Dearness Johnson on a Thursday night just went to work. Um, and and put Cleveland in a really good position in 2021. Then he goes to Buffalo, doesn't really play at all. So I would imagine that Case is really looking to 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 show what he can do. But mainly with Case, I think it's to have fun. Honestly, I don't think he gets in the huddle without having a smile on his face. But but you can tell he's in charge when he's in that huddle, and I think that's good for a lot of the younger guys that he potentially could be out there with. One unfortunately won't be out there, and that's Jesse Matthews. Um, as he goes yes. to IR, which is just terrible um, because other Jesse was really showing something the last few days. And I know he hates it. And the team hates it. Um, but those are the kind of guys that case is going to be thrown to. And I think that's awesome for them to, to learn from that guy. He can see things that maybe they don't right away. And I think that's going to make them better down the road. And I think it's going to help case too. And I think he's going to have a whole lot of fun in these preseason games. I'm looking forward to that. Johnny two around the league quickie notes here. All right. Kyle Trask. Baker Mayfield, each will start a preseason game, according to head coach Todd Bowles of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, one of the teams that's visiting NRG Stadium this year. Who will the Texans see by the time they play the Bucs? I think it's going to be Baker Mayfield. Now, I say that knowing full well they drafted Kyle Trask, but I just think Baker, the experience, I think that's going to pay off. Sounds like Trask has improved a bit. It'd be awesome for Kyle Trask to come back to NRG Stadium uh, where he played his last high school game. And who called that game, by the way? Me. He went in a game late in the fourth quarter against Katy High School um, because he never got really a chance to play. Um, But now he's getting a chance to play in the NFL. I hope we see Kyle Trask, but I think it's going to end up being Baker. Okay. And Brock Purdy, starting quarterback of the 49ers, of course. But the second team quarterback is it's Trey Lance or Sam Darnold. One of those either or depth chart mechanisms. Who's the real number two in San Francisco? Sounds like it's Sam Darnold. Sounds like Trey's not done enough to really hold on to that job. And I mean, going from number three overall pick to where that, where he is now. So I always, I've always wanted Trey Lance to do well. I thought he could do well. I thought San Francisco would be a great spot and just things worked against him. Um, And the last one is Brock Purdy being pretty darn good and Kyle Shanahan believing in him. So I think it's going to be Purdy. And then it's going to be Darnold and Lance, and they'll probably try and maybe move Trey Lance. And look, maybe Tampa Bay bites and tries to get him for a season. I don't know. It's going to be interesting what happens with Trey Lance. I think the guy could still ball. I mean, he's young. He's 22, I think. All right. Um, and hasn't played a lot in the league. So we'll see what he's got. We'll see what happens with them. Back to the Texans situation now. Titus Howard, he's going to be out for a little bit here. What did John McClain, as we do McClain Reloaded, have to say about that on Texans Training Camp Live today? I don't think he would have played in this game anyway. This game, yeah. yeah and I'm talking about Baltimore. He can play with a club. That's the good thing. 
and uh, so it's not like it was. It's a problem with one of his wheels. If it'd been something below the waist, then it would have been a big issue. But don't they have to grab and hold and clutch and pull yeah, and but all that? Yeah, you see guys playing with uh, clubs, and it's uh, inside hand too. So that's probably a little if if it's good in a way. Yeah, because he's a right tackle. You want that outside hand. You know, get those speed rushers. But he's got to be able to counter on the inside. But at least it's his inside. Titus hand. out there wearing the clubs better than anybody else they got. Charlie sure. Heck, you know, I'm guessing since we haven't seen him, will he start the season on pup? Yeah, but I could see him. All right, I don't know anything. If he came off pup next week, he could be ready for the opener and play right tackle. Of course, he could. I'll get plenty of reps because you got the joint practices. Yeah, that I think is the only thing to me for Titus that. That Titus misses out on is he misses out on Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips. He misses out on Cam Jordan with the Saints. Um, that that to me, John, is the one thing. I don't care about the preseason games. I really don't because he would play a series if that. I just that's really the only thing. I think he could stay in condition with you know the hand injury. He could stay in condition. I think it's just those reps that he misses against those guys, John, that he's that he's going to miss out on. Well, he gets Will Anderson Jr., Jerry Hughes, John Gennard, and I'm not saying they're in the mm. same class, but True. every day in practice he gets to go against the best pass rusher. So I don't think Titus will skip a beat when he comes back uh, except for his hand, but he'll adjust. We see guys play with casts on all the time. Hopefully by then it would be a lighter a lighter thing. But, uh, you know, as Adam Schefter reported four to six weeks, they don't know squat. It could be seven or eight. As far as anybody right. knows, it could be four. I always love those timelines. like to go back and see how many of them are accurate. But it's going to be a lot of work for the backups. They need yep. the help. George Fant just signed uh, Deculus, who's in his second year. He's been out there some. So they got issues with backup linemen. But this is the time to have those issues. Well, this is a great time for Deculus to step up and maybe take a spot at least among the reserves, or get some valuable playing time in the preseason, improve himself. So, Juice Scruggs steps into the starting lineup with the injury to Quesenberry. Titus out at right tackle for a bit, so you're down two. Now, what we don't know is how long it would have taken or could have taken for Scruggs to take over as a starter, because I got a feeling they liked what they saw in Quesenberry in this offense. Your thoughts on how Scruggs is doing there? I have no clue. He's been playing a lot with the second team. Then he was with the first team. Now he's with the first team. I'm not even sure Quisenberry would have made the team. We talked about that last week when you start looking at the numbers, knowing that your two rookies are guaranteed of being on the roster. And then if Charlie Heck is back. And they have multiple players who can play center and guard. And But this is a good time to see all those young guys. We've seen them in camp. They like Scruggs, obviously. They had him higher rated than other people did, and they traded second round to get him, so they have high hopes for him. Get him in there. Let him get his playing time. Great practice time coming up against Miami and New Orleans. He needs a lot of playing time. Even if he were with Davis Miller or Case Keenum, but the fact that he's with C.J. Stroud, you know, they're going to be best friends. They're going to spend so much time together, and – this is a good time to do it, and I feel terrible what happened to Scott Quisenberry, but it was only a matter of time before Scruggs was starting. General, this will be the last time we talked to you before uh, Thursday night's game against the New England Patriots. Other than let's just keep everybody healthy, 
What are kind of two or three goals that you want for the team going and coming out of that game saying we want to achieve these things? Not, maybe not statistics, but just some things that you want to see from Thursday night after the game is over. It's, you'd like to see, and it's going to be difficult because it's the first preseason game, a smooth operation on offense when you have a new coordinator, you have a new quarterback coach, new starting quarterback. D'Amico said yesterday he wanted, he wanted Stroud to show command of the huddle. Well, I would think command of the huddle is something that comes with time. He's been with these guys enough. To me, I'm guessing it's when you break the huddle and we can all see what's going on. You do, you want him to be at least 50 or 60%. I imagine they'll let him throw some short passes. So the efficiency of the offense, I have fewer doubts about the defense. Defense ahead of the offense, and D'Amico told us last week, He'll call the defenses, which we've known all along, just like we've known all along. Strell's going to be the starting quarterback. So we never talk about special teams. We take them for granted because everybody's back, and they were the best in the NFL last season. It's it's a, we do take them for granted. The only time it you know if they if if, if Fairbairn misses a field goal, then oh that's news. John Weeks never had a bad snap, not one, in all of his years. If he ever did. You know, hell would freeze over. And then, of course, Cam Johnston, the only guy to get a three-year contract he's been worth in the last year of his contract. If he were to shank a punt, which I don't think he's done, I don't remember it, then that would be something we'd all pay attention to. But I love their special teams. Can't wait to see Tank Dell returning punts. I think that they want him focused on wideout. And Desmond King will start the season as the punt returner. But at some point, Tank's going to be in there. And they're going to need to look at him Thursday night. I can't wait to see him. Um, Mark Dominic, former Bucks general manager, I was with him through most of the practice, asking him about players, you know, where he had Stroud rated. And he looked at – we were on the other side of the field, and he was watching Tank. And he said, man, he's got that quick twitch that the scouts and coaches love. And he was talking about him being 5'8", 165. He goes, yeah, but he's he's got the kind of butt on a small, thin guy you want. And uh, so uh, I can't, every time I watch him make a play, can't wait to see him win it. Not for real, since that doesn't start to Baltimore, but playing against somebody else. You know, what Charlie Casserly used to call that, good loa. He's got good loa. <laughs> <laughs> GMs crack me up the way they talk about players. I think you've got a ca- good butt. I think your casually makes John laugh every single time. It does. You do it. it gets a laugh. That's what you want to see. And only because it's so spot on. Right, exactly. A lot of listeners probably don't even know who's Charlie Casserly. I can't remember what he sounded the like. Very but, first GM in Texans history, but Since and I've been talking to him quite a bit over the last two weeks, your, your, your Im- impersonation is spot on. Yeah, you know, I talked to him a couple of years ago. He said, I hear you've been imitating me on the radio. I'm like, oh, sorry. Uh, it's funny he loves it. He's visited here. Yeah, he should because that's flattery when you have an impression done of you. Uh, when he's visited here over the years from time to time when he was with NFL Network, I would have him on, and I said, look, you built this place. He built this place because, you know, Bob McNair built the place, but Charlie designed what is done here with these three fields, the bubble, with the locker room. Hey, we're going to have one locker room year-round, see? For practice, for training camp, for game day. Anyway, John, 
I've written something, and I need your help here as a writer, as is a it Hall a poem? of Fame. No, is it's, it a love poem? It's been a couple, a couple of references about Foxborough. All right, and I, I haven't published this yet. I'm but so I, I glad I don't this. have to go. Yeah, exactly, because I said Foxborough is the worst road trip in the league. It's strategically located between Boston and Providence where no one wants to visit. Paul Revere didn't even want to ride there. Back in the day, there was harness racing next to the stadium. You remember that, oh, right? Oh, yeah, of course. It was such a dump. I said the parking lots were all dirt and mud and made day three of Woodstock look like a banquet at River Oaks. <laughs> am I right or am I right? No, you're right. I first I went there in the late 70s, went there again in 81. When I went there in 81, it was in October, and I'd always heard about the leaves and the seasons, and I'd never seen them, being from Texas, and my goodness, there were four of us there from the Houston Chronicle and Houston Post, and without knowing it, the next day, all four of our leads of our stories and columns had to do with the leaves and how beautiful it was (laughs) around Sullivan Stadium, because we were all mesmerized, and I've done it a bunch of times now, but... um, not having to travel uh, and being able to just watch the game and write columns for SportsRadio610.com off the TV and then listening to D'Amico and CJ uh, on your YouTube channel Mm -hmm. is so much easier than making that drive. I remember last primetime game up there. By the time we got out, we just went to the airport. We didn't even try to sleep anywhere because we had an early morning flight. You know, you're miserable for days. Yeah. So – it's uh, and plus the Texans have had such bad luck there, through the years. House of Horrors. Yep. Absolutely. Ugh. The close loss in seventeen. Eighteen was another what seven point loss. Fumbled on one. the first play. Three and out. That was great. Three and out. Come over to the sidelines. Tyron Matthews fired up. His first game, and in the first play we fumble it right back to him. Brandon Cooks beat him when O'Brien didn't should have called a timeout, so they didn't run up to the line of scrimmage. When and then he took O'Brien didn't like it when I asked him that question. You know, all coaches hate questions about clock management. Yep, yeah, they love my You can say they're bad, you can say they're jerks, you can say whatever you want, but boy, if you question that clock management, O'Brien used to tell me, You bleepers up in the press box, you don't have a bleeping clue what it's like to be down there and bleep, 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 bleep. Yeah, a defensive timeout can come in really handy. And another thing, <laughs> a special teams timeout, if they get into a fake punt formation, bang a timeout, yeah. stop them well, if here's you have an, an extra. Here's another thing you don't do. You don't run your punter up five yards and try and do some fake nonsense up two scores either. Now, that was here. It wasn't, wasn't there. But then you get that blocked. I mean, we just have had – we had uh, some we, we brought our moments. own bad luck against them, but you know the last time we were there, what eighteen was eighteen the last time we were there. That was I the last the, time. So the last Johnny. two times in nineteen, been, you beat them here. That was an yeah. awesome game. Yeah, beat them in twenty too. Yeah, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, twenty was nice. Then lost in twenty one. The one that was on NBC primetime and 15. Hopkins threw the touchdown pass to oh, Watson. 19. That was the best. That was a that was a fantastic night. That yeah. was a fantastic Those two night. acted alone and ran that play. <laughs> <laughs> We're not getting the look. We're running it anyway. That's, yeah. you know, I saw that, the final episode of the quarterback series on Netflix. Oh, did you watch and, it? Yeah. And the Chiefs, they do a lot of stuff where they're just kind of on the fly, it seems. You yep. know, Mahomes might not have the look he wants, but he's going to go ahead and run a play anyway, feeling that he could pull it off. John, the NFL players voted Mahomes number one. Justin Jefferson, number two. Jalen Hurts, number three. 
as their NFL top 100 player. Larry was like in the 70s or 80s, the only Texan in there. Those three, you think they got it right? Mahomes, Jefferson, Hurts, one, two, three? No, I wouldn't put Jefferson, too. And I learned a long time ago how few players participate in that Yeah, out of yeah. all the players, so I've never paid any attention to it. But I think you have to have all quarterbacks. I'd put Joe Burrow. I'd put Burrow. Yeah. Second behind Mahomes. They had, they have a, sixth. They have a sixth. separate list for quarterbacks. There's such a gigantic part of what you do. It's pitchers in baseball, except they're out there every play, every game, right? Well, yeah, Justin Jefferson is a great player, no doubt. Right. But he's not as valuable as a quarterback. Right. He couldn't catch the ball without a quarterback. So I don't. I I would put Mahomes. Everybody would put him number one. But I love Burrow. I yep. think if, if it's not. Kansas City and Buffalo doesn't continue the rivalry with Mahomes and Josh Allen. Joe Burrow and the Bengals are going to be right up there with them. John, as we embark on the preseason here, what is the future of the preseason? Are we going to two games and 18 games regular season? What are you we going to do? You know it. You know it. More joint practices. How do colleges actually pull off a football season without preseason games? Somehow. It's like uh, Henry Toa Toa told us the other day. First day, boy, they're hitting. They're hitting the whole time to get ready for the season. And I guess other programs do that. I don't know. But uh, there's no doubt we're going to 18. More money. And you know the NFL owners, they need more money. They're in the poorhouse. Mm. Uh, (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, no. Careful, John. John, You might get suspended. (laughs) Yeah, really. John, (laughs) SportsRadio610.com, what do you have for us? I've got a column on the – Astros coming up against the Orioles while the Rangers play the A's and the possibilities of that. I'm writing my Tankdale column. Today I'll have one tomorrow about D'Amico's first game and where he is in his his maturation as a head coach. And then on game day, five things to watch between the Texans and the Patriots. There's our buddy, the general, John McClain. Coming up, we mentioned this. Mo Taylor, former Rocket. You want to hear what he has to say. He was visiting... Texans training camp and Johnny and I caught up with him let's hear some of that conversation and also inside linebacker middle linebacker to 4-3 Denzel Perriman you want to hear him in the deep slant interview coming up on Texans radio back to it on Texans radio Texans training camp if you follow our social media channels you know we have a lot of influencers out there at Texans training camp we had the influencer football game on Saturday among many other visits from influencers. And one of those would be former Rocket NBA player Mo Taylor from the Motor City, went to Michigan, and we can't play the whole conversation. It was long. It's on a podcast. But let's hear some of it as we are talking about the big house football and some other stuff related to sports in general with Mo Taylor at Texans training camp. What about the Big Ten mayhem right now getting west coast schools in there that's got to be so weird for you an alumnus it is weird but i think it helps us because it gets away from that three downs in a cloud of smoke type of mentality that michigan has played with now you're you're playing against teams that could better prepare you for bowl games you know michigan if you look at it, they're always, you know, we the last two years we've been the cream of the crop of the Big Ten. But you get to that bowl game against a Texas school, a Florida, a Florida school, and they're running right past you. And I think USC, UCLA, playing against those types of offense and also learning from watching those types of offense can only help us, you know, help those Big Ten teams kind of evolve a little bit because 
you see it in the bowl games. You know, the Big Ten don't usually fare too well against the SEC, you know, when it comes to bowl games. But I think having those teams like they're opening up the playbook a little bit, seeing different styles of play are going to help. Well, and I, I love to see that in the Big Ten. I would think kids from Detroit, kids from, you know, Chicago, they grew up there, never, you know, they were dreamed about playing regular season games in L.A., or Seattle, right. or even in Eugene. I would think that's got to be a pretty unique thing. I mean, I imagine when you were playing, if you had a you had a trip to USC and you had a you know you could stay and play USC and UCLA every weekend. That would be kind of cool. You, I would can think. you imagine a night game USC Michigan yes. in the big house in oh, say man. like November? Yeah. You know that. I mean, those are the type of games that they can line up now. Yeah. You know, which is, which is amazing because, like yeah. you said, you never see those type of situations. You never seen Michigan at UCLA. Right. You know, those, type of, those types of games, I think, are kind of like some dream matchups. As fans, yeah, you want to see them in those different situations. So I'm looking forward to it. And I'm definitely, I mean, football as well as basketball, yep. there's going to be some really good matchups oh, yeah. because of that alignment. Mo Taylor with us. All right, NBA, the Rockets, what they're going through right now, your take. I think the best thing they did was sign Fred. I think he's a leader. I think he is the guy that can be the spark plug for that locker room and kind of, let these young guys know that this is an everyday job. You know, it's not just about scoring and how you look. You know, Fred coming in, he's going to change some things. And I think some of the other veterans, that they're going to change some threes. Uh, obviously, the, the, the first-round draft pick uh, are, um, was Amon. Amon Thompson. Oh, he's yeah. – I mean, I've, I, I'm 17. I'm a 17U uh, AAU basketball coach. Yeah, yeah. So I've seen him for years on the circuit. I mean, he's an amazing, amazing talent, and he's the type of guy that has a little bit of that Kobe Bryant in him, where all he does is basketball. That's it. If you ask him what he do, he's going to tell you basketball. <laughs> yeah. And, and you got to like kids like that, especially young kids. Now, Ime Adoka is taking over as the Rockets head coach, but I want to ask you about Michigan's head coach. Uh, what's his name? Oh, yeah, Juwan Howard. <laughs> we saw him as a player. He was the same uh -huh. year as I was going with the Fab Five. He was so fun to watch in college, but he seemingly was kind of the ringleader for that group. They all kind of followed yeah. him, it seemed, uh, when he was back at Michigan. Then he takes over as head coach. And he'll back down from everybody. Anybody, obviously, we saw that uh, a couple of times. What do you think about Juwan as a head coach for Michigan, Mo? I mean, I love Juwan. I think it was the, just the right thing to do. You know, when you look at certain situations and you look at guys that get jobs, certain situations kind of create themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Juwan Howard being a basketball coach at the University of Michigan is one of those. Yeah. Like you said, out of the 5-5, five five, he may not have been the most talented, but he was the guy. He was the leader. Yeah. He, he was a coach then. And me and Juwan's relationship goes back till I was 17 years old. Yeah. He hosted me on, on our visit. My no visit wonder you Michigan. went to Michigan. No wonder I'll tell him that. <laughs> yeah. We actually joked about that. We were at Peach Jam not too long ago, yeah. the AAU Nationals for Nike. And, uh, you know, we always run into each other. And, you know, we I joke about my visit all the time. Yeah. And he always tell everybody, like, he went to Michigan, didn't he? <laughs> I got did the job. <laughs> but I think he's an amazing coach. I think he's one of those guys that they just didn't throw a job to. Um, he came up through the ranks, you know, long-time assistant, you, yep. know, uh, you know, won some championships. Uh, you know, a disciple of Pat Riley under that whole system with Eric Spolstra. So he has the pedigree to, to succeed at a predominantly, you know, football school. 
Bo Taylor with us. You mentioned you're a coach, AAU basketball. Yeah. So how has being a coach affected how you look back on being a player? Does it change things in retrospect? Yeah. Maybe I the, would have handled things this way in certain instances. The crazy part about it, I coached the Houston Hoops, uh, 17U. You know, shout out to them. Shout out to all my boys, Christian Begg, Hal Passner. When I run into coaches, like I've always, on this circuit, you run into guys that coached you, you yeah. either played with, or guys that recruited you in yeah. the past. And one of my coaches, uh, Kurt Townsend, actually recruited me. Uh, and one of my AAU coaches is the head assistant at Nebraska. And, you Ooh. know, he asked me, he was like, well, how would you coach you? <laughs> <laughs> and I was a bit embarrassed <laughs> because a lot of the stuff that I did, yeah. if a player did that to me, he would, obviously I would have some form of discipline for him, whatever. Because I was a wild child. But when you coach, you respect the profession yeah. because it's hard even at our level it's really hard to get wins and the preparation that you need in order to you know to succeed with a new group of guys every single summer you know it takes some planning it takes you know a bit of you know organization and as a player you kind of take that for granted when it comes to coaches yep you know Absolutely. as a player you say oh anybody can coach everybody yeah, can't play right you know, but now the, when I'm coaching, it's the same thing. Everybody can't be a coach. Right. All right, you played for a lot of different teams. Other than the Rockets, let's leave them out of it. What's the best home court atmosphere in the NBA? Ooh. And do you think it's still that way? Whatever your answer might be from New when York, you play. Madison Square Garden. It is. Yeah, when I played for the Knicks, even though we – and we, you know, we weren't that good that year. That was the year of the Larry Brown, Isaiah Thomas mm. debacle. But – uh, I played with the Los Angeles Clippers. They had a back then. We weren't that good, but they were. That's when they were started accumulating young guys. So we started to get a fan base. Yeah. But it's a Lakers town. Right. Yeah. Uh, in Houston with the Rockets, the same thing. We really, when Yao came and Tracy came, it really ignited the city. Similar to like when Chris Paul and Harden was here, you can see the yeah. difference yeah. in how it ignites the city. But Madison Square Garden is like that. It's been like that the last 60 years. Yeah. There's no change. No matter how the Knicks do. doesn't matter. It's a destination. It, it, were there, that's were there particular nights, Mo, in MSG where it was just, you can't even explain it, the electricity in the building, whether it was when Jordan came to town or Kobe came to town, where the electricity in the building was just off the charts. Oh, yeah. Uh, we actually played Kobe Bryant, I believe this was 2008. Seven, eight, when he was going on that run where I think he had like seven 40 point games yeah. in a row, yeah. and, and we were the eighth. And they was like, <laughs> and everybody said, like, well, if he got 40 on the Lakers, if he got 40 on, on Detroit, what is he going to do to the, the Knicks? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember just the whole city having way, every radio show had a wager. Yeah. What's the over under of 80? <laughs> you know? so, so, you know, those type of situations happen um we had a situation where isaiah thomas all of our sunday games he moved to noon because he felt like oh everybody's going to hang out saturday night we're going to have noon games and right. we're going to kill them because right. we stayed in hotels we had like a curfew on the saturday night okay. stayed in the hotel so it was this story alan iverson was out until like six in the morning all over the radio so we wake up you know we go to shoot around you know go Every radio station, like, man, hey, I was in the club. You know, he's drinking. It's late. You know, the Knicks are going to kill Philly. He has 55. <laughs> <laughs> so, and we, and we end up losing that game 
on a buzzer beater that he hit. So that goes to show you that certain players is a little different than all other yeah, players. Yeah, but yeah. that but that night with him going off the way he was, like Madison Square Garden was just on fire when you see performances like that. And that's a dude that this sport missed seeing. Because yeah. on the football field, oh, no, he's amazing. he was a dude. We yeah. were in he the same graduating class in high school. He was the oh. number one player in basketball, and he was the number one player in football. That's he was amazing. In the country. Yeah. It, I think he would have been the best safety that this, this sport has ever seen. Either that, or, either that or a DB. Right. I mean, yeah. you're 5'11", long arms, explosive right. yeah. athleticism, and yeah. great jumping ability. I mean, he, he was an amazing athlete. He was one of the best athletes that I've seen yep. in my time. I'll go ahead and try him at quarterback. What the hell? <laughs> oh. he That's lose. what he played. He was yeah. an option. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He would go he intercepted on one side playing safety and then turn around to run the option the other side. It was like. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Allen Iverson was amazing. He was amazing talent. Well, you're amazing, Mo. We appreciate you visiting. Thank you. Thank All you. Right. Appreciate it. There's some of our visit with Mo Taylor, former Rocket and former Nick at Texans training camp. Coming up. Denzel Perriman, listed as a starter on the depth chart, former Raider, linebacker, DP Sidhu catches up with him next here on Texans Radio. All right, final segment here on Texans Radio tonight, and it's with starting middle linebacker. I don't know who's going to start opening day, but he's listed number one on the depth chart right now. Denzel Perriman, who has an infectious personality. You could tell he's a leader. You could tell he knows what he's doing out there. Former Raider former Miami Hurricane linebacker, and he had a chance to catch up with D.P. Sidhu. Now, it's funny because D.P. put out a photo, a photo, a pic on her Twitter account, now referred to as X. Anyway, she put out a pic of her with Denzel Perriman and also Damian Pierce, and those two refer to themselves as D.P. because of the initials, and D.P. is D-E-E-P-I. So you had D.P., D.P., and D.P., and Darius Phillips, who also calls himself D.P., was not out there, but they mentioned him in the pick. So it's kind of funny. Check it out. And D.P. Sidhu visited with the middle linebacker, Denzel Perryman. It's a Deep Slant 101 presented by Xfinity. Joining me, Denzel Perryman, another D.P. We've got so many D.P.s on this squad, first yeah, of all. Yeah, there's, uh, there's three. Uh, there's me. I like to call myself the OG. And then there's Darius Phillips, and then there's Damian Pierce. So I thought I was the OG because I'm actually older than all of you well, guys. Technically, but... you are the OG, so I'll be the OG junior. And then, you know, <laughs> we just pass it on down from there. I love it. I love it, Denzel. All right, so you've got game week coming up this week. Mm -hmm. How has practice changed now that you're actually preparing for a game? The reps uh, might be a little longer, you know, than the usual. We might get a little more reps, you know, just to get you, you know, game ready and, uh, you know, get that endurance, and, you know, get, get that blood flowing going. But uh, practice has been great, man. We're just getting better and better every day. D'Amico Ryan stopped by just before we started shooting this and told you to smile. And you said you wanted to go in and start correcting things. How yeah. did practice go for you? And it, that sort of tells me a little bit about your personality. Yeah. You seem to be a perfectionist, want to fine tune things all the time. Yeah, so uh, Corey Littleton, you know, we played um, previously before on a previous team, and he told me I should wear a jacket because I wear my emotions on my sleeve. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, today Coach was just telling me to smile because uh, I'm, I'm very hard on myself, you know, and I, when I make a mistake, uh, I'm like hard on myself and it's hard for me to you know, move on to the next play, but that just comes, you know, being in practice and uh, being in training camp. This is your ninth year in the NFL. Have you always been that way? Has it gotten better, worse over the years? I mean, I've been like this since I've been a kid. I'm always okay. like hard on myself in general. It's gotten better. It's gotten better. I'm probably a little harder on myself now just because. You harder? Yeah, 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 yeah. just a little bit. Just look. Two percent every day, baby. What's it like going against this guy, Damian Pierce, in practice? Oh, man, it's lovely. It's, it's competition. We compete every play. And exactly he's, what you just saw. We laughing yeah. mid-play. 
is that what he we just said? We need a DP times three show now. It's, uh, it's competition every day. It's competition every day. It's all laughs. It's all smiles, and uh, that's what it's about. As a linebacker, getting to play for an all-pro, former all-pro linebacker as head coach, what is that like for you? I imagine every year you want to get better and better. How do you get better, and, and what does what angle does he bring that you maybe previously didn't have before in a head coach? Uh, I would say just like his coaching. I mean, after every play, almost after every rep, like he is a hop in the coach. Uh, every you know couple seconds he has, you know, to give you a coaching point on something. It can be something from the day. It can be something from two practices ago. Like he remembers it. He'd be like, oh, you know what? Like let's you know instead of you doing this, you know, let's do this. And uh, honestly, I love that energy. I love the coaching. Man, I just love the way like he approaches, you know, every day, honestly. Like you said, he always got a smile on his face. Now I have a smile on my face. And uh, just playing with him in general, just being a linebacker, uh, it means a lot. I reestablished myself. Uh, that's why I got this mark right here on my forehead. You reestablished yourself? Yeah, yeah. As a linebacker, you're supposed to have like a little mark either <laughs> no, on your linebacker. nose or right here on the forehead. So, yeah, I reestablished myself again. Tell me about this linebackers group. We saw the unofficial depth chart come out. You're the Mike linebacker. You've got Blake Cashman. Uh, you've got Christian Harris heading into his second year. What excites you about this linebackers group? I know there's more linebackers even in, than the three that are listed on the depth yeah. chart, but what do you like about them? Uh, it's all competition. We all uh, we all keep each other on our toes. You know, nobody has time to relax. Uh, we're all interchangeable everybody can play all three positions so need a moment you know somebody can move to you know somewhere else but it's just a competition in the linebacker room and how we you know push each other and uh, have each other going every day what about Henry Toa Toa I know that you've sort of taken him under your wing what have you seen from him so far uh, he's eager to learn and uh, he's quick to learn and he takes literally the classroom to the field immediately uh, he's, a, he's a playmaker and he's a wine he's Samoan uh, <laughs> funny story I was telling him how my rookie year man Tateo took me in and he's basically like that's like his cousin-in-law so oh, yeah, po yeah, yeah the Polynesian background no no he's actually married to Manti's oh, first cousin yes oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean there's so many close ties in the league Malik Collins the other day was telling us at the podium how he remembers playing against you in college when you're at Miami he said you were your fire so what's it like reuniting with former collegiate players teammates adversaries here again with the Texans. Uh, it, it means a lot just hearing you know guys like hey man you know you was like this one because I remember like watching you play this that, and the other it gets me going you know it, the, I'm going on year nine I mean I don't need much to get myself going but like you know, you know just hearing like you know guys that I'm playing with you know I would say excited to be on the same like team as I am but you know just hearing you know that I might have had somewhat of an impact or you know they watched my highlight or anything like that like that type of stuff it just keeps you going. All right, Denzel, it was a pleasure meeting you. Have a great rest of your camp. Good luck in the preseason. All right, there's DP sitting with Denzel Perriman. couple of reminders. Tomorrow night we're going to have Training Camp Clearinghouse. A lot of great stuff from our training camp shows with Johnny Harris emceeing the festivities as we are on the eve, tomorrow we'll be on the eve, of preseason game one. Remember, it's Thursday at 6, 6 o'clock kick. Not 6 o'clock pregame, 6 o'clock kick. Be there, Aloha, ABC 13, live on Sports Radio 610 of the Bull 100.3 FM. Stream it on the Texans app, the Odyssey app. Get it however you can. Enjoy it. It's going to be fun. Can't wait to go to Foxborough to see the Texans take on the Patriots. Thanks so much for listening tonight. Have a great evening. Go Texans.